just after the end of slavery in 1838, Murray sells the Woodbrook estate to Burnley. And Burnley is a story by himself, you know, one of the wealthiest and most influential people in Trinidad ever. Welcome to Growing Up Woodbrook, the podcast. I'm Cecile George, Woodbrook born and raised and a member of the Woodbrook Residence Committee. It's the last quarter of the 19th century, and the Woodbrook estate, like all of Trinidad, is being affected by outside forces. Let's hear what happens next in episode 6, From Plantation to Plots. In the year 1888, Woodbrook land was a cane estate. It was only good just for planting rice, but look at it now, it is a paradise. Oh, what a decent locality, now is the Woodbrook vicinity. Starting in the 1860s, British concerns consolidated their hold on the most productive estates in Trinidad. The British Colonial Company was the front-runner in the mergers of estates and modernization of production, starting with its first central factory in 1872 at Eusine St. Madeleine. Other central factories were later established at Bretton Castle, Orange Grove, Reform, and Woodford Lodge using railways to transport cane to the locations. When using St. Martin's Sugar Factory was established, that was the largest and most modern of the time in the British Empire. So that many of the small mills that would have existed in the different estates, they began to close. And so you had many of the estates then bringing their canes to a central location, whether it be using St. Martin or Bretton Castle. The central factories made the sugar mills on estates like Woodbrook uneconomical and unnecessary. And the French Creoles, who had originally established the plantations in the 1780s, were quickly pushed out of the industry. With the British presence, we saw how that would change the plantation economy, basically, because prior to that, you would have had mainly the French Creole and so owning the estate. So you had these British coming in and owning estates, but many of them tended to be absentee planters. And so they would have a manager overseer on the estate, taking care of the estate while they were absent, because an absentee planter really was someone who owned an estate here in the Caribbean, but resided in Europe. And in such a case, we had the Scotsmen then come in and fill these positions as the overseers of the estates and in some cases they also went on to become merchants of their own. Now, let's step back and take a look at the big picture. You might want to grab something to drink or nibble on. This is a little detail. Ready? Okay, here we go. What also happened during the last 40 years of the 19th century was that the sugar economy started to decline throughout the Caribbean. From the 1880s, sugar prices were very low because of competition from heavily subsidized European beet sugar exports. The price of sugar fell even further after 1895 because of a foreign policy disagreement between the United States and Britain. You see, gold had been discovered near the western boundary of British Guiana, owned of course by Britain, and Venezuela, supported by the United States. An interesting aside, 
The ownership of this region, the Essequibo, is still to be decided by the International Court of Justice in 2023. This discovery led to a dispute between the two countries for ownership of the wealth. In 1895, America demanded that Britain submit to international arbitration, which Britain refused to do. So the United States imposed heavy duties on British West Indian sugar, causing the price to tumble. As a result of all of these things, back in Trinidad, newspaper ads started appearing, offering building lots for sale or lease on the Woodbrook estate, as plots of land began to be sold off for residential purposes. After W.H. Burnley's death in 1850, his son had remained in England as an absentee landowner, so the estate fell under the charge of various managers. The manager of the estate for William Burnley was a Scotsman by the name of William Eccles and he was also a person who encouraged other Scotsmen to come into Trinidad and he himself was the person responsible for the development of the Superior Tram Road which would have been the first rail system down in the Naparimas. So he would have also played a significant part in the development of the country as well as being the person who would have been instrumental in establishing the orphanage at Akarigua that really started as a school for the children of indentured servants before it became the Takarigua orphanage that would have been handed over then to the Church of England, the African Church. The last manager of the Woodbrook Plantation was a Scotsman named Watson. After his wife and child succumbed to illness in the late 1890s, a distraught Watson quit the plantation and left the country. By 1895, the Port of Spain Gazette was able to speak of Woodbrook Village as a curious conglomeration of dwellings, some of which are well-built and comfortable enough, while others are mere huts. Other comments from the newspapers of the day note the poor upkeep and unsanitary conditions. Back then, sewerage from Maraval and St. Anne's, in the hills just north of Woodbrook, ran down and settled in the bottom half of the estate, near the swampy shoreline. This, combined with poor drainage, caused serious health problems for the area's early inhabitants. By 1899, this Woodbrook estate is liquidated and you have the estate being divided up into lots and being sold and you have the introduction of the sea goods. The Woodbrook estate had been the last sugar plantation to withstand Port of Spain's westward expansion. With the sugar factory demolished, the area was now to embark on its newest iteration as a residential neighborhood. But now what a decent locality is the Woodbrook vicinity. Our first six episodes were a quick run through four centuries of history to bring us into early 20th century Woodbrook. From the next episode, we'll slow the pace a bit and take a look at this ever-evolving neighborhood through the decades and through many more eyes and stories. There were no electric lights in Woodbrook land, for when the night was dark, they couldn't see your hands. I'm your host, Cecile George. Our podcast is a companion to the Growing Up Woodbrook Coffee Table Book. Currently available worldwide, jointly published by the Woodbrook Residence Committee and the National Trust of Trinidad and Tobago. We got theaters and radios in the pretty little cottages and bungalows to beautiful This podcast was made possible by the hard work and dedication of many people, including educator and historian Valerie Taylor. National Trust Education Outreach Officer Marlon Green, music curator Sean Randu, and musicologist Patrice Cox-Neves. No 
better construction could have been found. And secondly, we got the children's playground. The music in this episode was History of the Woodbrook Vicinity by the Mighty Growler and This Trini Could Flow by Kindred. We invite you to join us on this journey through Woodbrook's history. Subscribe and spread the word. Tell a friend or ten about our podcast and our book. Want to ask a question or leave a comment? Click on the link in the show notes to record a voicemail. And we'll see you back here next time on Growing Up Woodbrook the podcast.